0: This is v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the
5: Sports Betting Network. Hey, welcome to
6: the Tuesday edition of Big Bets here on v Dave Ross and Amal Shaw here at South Point Casino and Hotel. Another wonderful show on the docket today at uh, right at the top of hour number two. Frank Schwab is going to join us to talk all things NFL as we do each and every Tuesday with Frank. Can't wait to get his thoughts on what we saw last night, what we might see next week. And then buckle up, America, because Tim Doyle is going to join us to talk all things NBA in our number two as well. I can't wait to get Timmy's thoughts on surprises so far. Like the
7: Portland Trailblazers are 4-0. Did you see that coming? Well, I didn't understand why they were in a five-and-a-half-point home dog last night against Denver. And then at halftime, you could have gotten them seven-and-a-half, and they came out and smoked them. Outscored them 44-25 in the third quarter last night. And just annihilated the Nuggets. Is it too soon for me as somebody that's got an under in the Nuggets 52-and-a-half season win total to root against them on a given night? No, I think that keeps you engaged, right? Right. Like, I have St. Louis Blues season win total over, so I pay attention to that every time. Right. Played horribly last night in Winnipeg, but... (laughs) You know, you, you pay attention to whenever you have a season-long play.
6: That's exactly why uh, sometimes the, the interest will, will will stay up there, certainly, as the season goes along. But a nice win for the Trailblazers last night, as you mentioned. Uh, easy fashion over the Nuggets. Also a nice win, I think, surprised a lot of people last night, is what happened in New England. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the Patriots, uh, the down 10-0, and then all of a sudden the hook comes for, for Mac 10. Here comes the zappy hour. It lasted about 25 minutes, not really a full hour. Two touchdowns. pats. Oh, my goodness. You might cash those tickets, laying eight, eight and a half, maybe nine. Uh Uh-uh. And then it was all Bears from there. They get the easy win. Uh, Obviously, 33-14, the the total is never really in jeopardy either with uh, 34 points at halftime, a couple field goals by the Bears, got you at least a push, and the late touchdown pushes it over, a couple touchdowns.
7: What do you make of what we saw last night in New England? Well, um, tell you what, I was impressed with Justin Fields for the first time in his mm-hmm. professional career. I thought the Bears had a great game plan. They were really able to run the ball effectively. I thought the defense did a nice job. Uh, I thought it was a good decision to go with Bailey Zappi. Um, they made a much better move there. Mac Jones on the first drive struggled, and then all of a sudden um, really did a, a good job of getting the team going offensively. But to me, the bigger concern is not the Patriots' offense, because I think the Bears have a solid defense. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, New England defense. They couldn't stop the run. No, they really couldn't.
6: And, again, Justin Fields' designed runs last night called uh, by the Bears coaching staff there. And we were kind of talking about it before the show a little bit. Felt like that's what the Bears were not prepared for. You look, excuse me, the Patriots, you're going to have broken plays for a guy like Justin Fields with the athletic talent that he has. It was the design runs that really, really seemed like it had the uh, the Patriots uh, befuddled there for, for much of the night. Now, looking into next week's game against the JETS Chats on the road, which is also now a big game, at least if you're looking for that next tier in the AFC East behind the Buffalo Bills, the number hasn't moved that much because I believe it was Patriots 2, 2.5, now down a point to a point and a half. Here's the thing. Bill Belichick is classic Belichickian soundbite. Um, we're not going to name the quarterback yet. So he's not going to get too fresh after what we saw. We don't know if it's going to be Bailey Zappi, if it's going to be Mac Jones. But I guess the point here, Maul, is it really hasn't adjusted the number that much, no matter who Belichick decides to go quarterback.
7: Well, I mean, I think they're both basically similar guys, right? Like, they are who they are. They're not great. Um, you know, everyone is excited and enamored about Mac Jones, but I thought he went into the best situation of any rookie quarterback. Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and i um, forgetting the other guy in there. I think Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. When you look at the situation going into New England, you had the most experienced team, probably the best team of anybody coming into that situation, and he was able to perform. But now that the onus is on him, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. You know, when you go back to his days in Alabama, you know, he's throwing the ball to Devontae Smith and these guys. They're open by nine yards. I mean, they're just wide open, right? Alabama's had better talent than everybody for 12, 14 years now. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the thing the adjustment to the NFL. Those receivers are not running free in the NFL,
6: it could be one yard. And you got to be able to make that throw. It's not going to be nine yard variance, as you're mentioning there. Speaking of the JTS Jets, Jets and Zach Wilson, remember in uh, Friday Night Lights when Booby Miles goes down and then they're, oh, give me a running back. Well, Brees Hall is gone for the Jets. So they got to get a running back. They got one. James Robinson now has been officially traded from the Jags over to the Jets because Hall, of course, is out with that ACL for the remainder of the year. How do How do you look at the Jets now? Is that. Is it a wash? Because Brees Hall was on the short list possibly for Roy for Rookie of the Year. Now you get over Robinson here, and I think Jet fans go, okay, maybe it's not Brees, but at least now we're not punting on the running
7: back position. We actually, we, the Jets, went out there and made a move to go get a guy that we think is capable Yeah, Robinson, previously with Jacksonville, was very effective. I think he could be pretty good. I like Brees Hall a lot coming out of Iowa State. Mm -hmm. uh, But I think it's going to be a bit of a blow. Uh, What's going to be interesting to me with the Jets is what is Zach Wilson? Where do they see him long-term, and how impactful can he be for this team? By the way, I had to give you credit. Your analogy finally once post-1990.
6: Oh, that's close, so yeah, it was what probably two thousand for Friday Night Lights. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just.
7: Oh gl- yeah, yeah, right.
3: I'm right. glad just getting,
7: we we got through the '80s here, Michael Milken. <laughs> I, think,
3: I think it was his second Booby Miles reference, though. Oh, that's I'm going to give you a lot. He more, went back to the well. A lot yeah. more
6: Booby Miles because Friday Night Lights is it's not debatable the best football movie of all time. The show's better. No, we'll only not one. Watch the show. The
3: TV show's better. There's no reason yeah, to I watch I the TV show it. if the
6: movie is that good. Like if they <laughs> made a if they made a TV show called Rocky. Would
7: you watch the TV show? No. You I'm wouldn't. not the right person to ask. <laughs> well, why not? Because I'm not, I'm just not, I don't really watch TV. Unless it's live sports, I'm not watching. But you watched Rocky. Yeah, that was like a long that's, time ago. That's the point. <laughs> right there, you don't need to watch the TV
6: show if the movie was that good. So again, there's no reason to watch Friday Night Lights, the TV show, just watch the movie. But the Jets did get themselves a running back. That is the point of that exercise. Elijah Vera Tucker, by the way, for the Jets, he's going to be lost for the remainder of the season as well. So some key injuries there to the Jets. Look, one and a half at home, we've talked about this a lot. Obviously, inside of two and a half, we gave out the rule last night, basically the pro tip. you know, Either way, just pick the winner here because the points really haven't come into play here so far, I believe 15-0 uh, in spreads that are under three. So if you're picking the winner, you don't even need to play the points here. Who's going to win that game? Is it going to be Jets or is it going to be Patriots when you look at it here on a Tuesday?
7: Uh, I think it's tough to call. I'd still lean towards New England. Um, I get the affinity for the New York Jets and the Patriots on a short week, but for me, I still don't believe in Zach Wilson in this offense. You mentioned Brees Hall being out. It's a big problem. Uh, maybe the uh, the news of the day that
6: doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but maybe the biggest trade of the day. The Cowboys sending a uh, 2023 6th round pick to Las Vegas. Or Jonathan Hankins' offensive lineman per source. Cowboys will also get back his seventh-round pick. Look, these are small moves that are being made, and we kind of tongue-in-cheek a lot of these things. But the Robinson move is significant, obviously, for the Jets. Cowboys trying to buck up the offensive line a little bit. They might need some help at corner after Jordan Lewis has been lost for the season, who was playing really well out of Michigan. What do you make before you get to the trade deadline? Because, look, when you look at the futures market, sometimes you have to project which teams are throwing their chips in the, in the center of the table, like Jim Fossil, and I'm all in. And, like, do you think there are going to be teams? I'm not saying the Jets are doing that. But I do feel like the Cowboys might be one of those teams that says, all right, if this is an arms race, I'm going to get more before the trade deadline. And the Eagles feel like they've kind of done everything there is to do. Do you think there are other teams out there position- positioning themselves right now before you get to the trade deadline?
7: Yeah, maybe, but I don't think the NFL trade deadline is like in baseball, hockey, or basketball, where right. you see you know so many moves that are impactful. Uh, to me, right now, these are smaller moves. But I think Dallas is in a position when you look at the NFC. Hey, this is there for the taking. I get Phillies ahead of them, and the Giants are as well. But when you look around, Tampa, Green Bay, San Francisco, the Rams. Who are you fearful of? The Vikings. That's why I think you're exactly right. Like if you were to do a a power structure, if
6: you will, in the NFC, and the ironic part about this. I think everybody thought at the beginning of the year, like, boy, the NFC, how are you going to We didn't see the Eagles being six and out, right? And right now they're the short favorites here to win the conference at plus $1.90. But what surprises me and I understand it, the Buccaneers are still the second betting favorite. Now people are going to go, "Well, the Cowboys are better than the Bucks, they should be plus 750. Bucks destroyed them week one. And also the Buccaneers are still co-favorites right now. Uh, they're still leading their division, even though they're three and four. So, the Cowboys, unless nothing changes here, they're going to have to go the wild card route, yeah. right? Buccaneers, theoretically, if they win the South, they're going to get to, to play a home game. So, you have to kind of look at those those, those pathways and not just think, oh, well, this team's better than that team. You've got to figure out how you're going to get there
7: if you want to win this conference. Yeah, no question about it. But I think if you're in the NFC, you're at one of seven or eight teams that thinks they have a chance. In the AFC, it feels like it's only two teams for me. Buffalo, the, KC.
3: Yeah. That NFC East race, uh, that any – to on the Cowboys, 9-1 to on the Giants. Are those numbers getting a little too long? We think Philly's going to stay perfect throughout this entire dang season. They're going to hit a wall at
6: some point. I I mean, the schedule is so favorable that it's hard to see where the wall comes. But let's just look at the Packers, for instance, right? The last three games they had, when they went over to London, Giants, W. Uh, Then back home against the Jets, W. Then at Washington against the Commanders, W, right? You think, well, these are three easy W. They lose all of those. I'm not saying that's going to be the, the situation with the Eagles, but it is hard to look at their schedule the remainder way and go, oh, here's where it's coming. Because th- there doesn't seem to be the iceberg for the
7: Titanic. Yeah, I would take the Giants a 9-1. to They play Philly twice still. So, I mean, you have an opportunity. And what happens if Jalen Hurts gets hurt? Well, that's the key. It's injuries,
6: right? Because we're talking yeah. about this with the Cowboys getting offensive line help. you, you got a, a top corner that goes out. You, you can't predict those things. But they're going to happen. It's, this league is a league of attrition. It's really who's the healthiest team at the end that still has their top-end talent. And certainly at the quarterback position, those are the teams that are still going to be standing. I mean, you look at Survivor and Circa, what are we down to? 125? Yeah. So that's that's kind of the point here. It's so hard to navigate an NFL season. So you tell me, you look at the Eagles' Eagle schedule, where are the losses? Are they, I mean, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts, Packers, Titans, G. Bears, I mean, that looks like the easiest schedule you could say. Well, they will be favored until they get to Dallas. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. And they'll probably be favored at Dallas. What?
7: Well, that's just not true. <laughs> so
6: Listen, you got eight, I, deal,
7: I deal in reality. I'm sorry. I don't know what world you're living they've in. They've got eight games in a row. Well, they'll be the decided favorite until they get down there to Big D. Hey, good news. I hear NFL Networks rerunning Super Bowl 30 tomorrow night. Cheap shot. When we come back, I'm just trying to help you out, but let's talk some
6: World <laughs> Series and the Houston Astros against the Philadelphia Phillies. And an update in the story we brought you yesterday. We had Ben Fox on, our VP of Digital Content, about a wager who stands to make $125,000 if the Astros win. We'll update that next on Big Bets here on Vison the Sports Betting Network.
0: The Sports Betting Network.
6: Get everything VEASAN has to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. Sign up now. Get VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl, including... Our Pro Picks daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. Pro tips with actionable insights to help up your betting game. Deep dives daily into betting reports in the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball playoffs, which is now in the World Series. Plus our upcoming college basketball, college bowl, and Super Bowl betting guides. Give yourself an edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to get your $99 midseason special today. That's VEASAN.com. Slash subscribe. Back alongside of Moshaw, Dave Ross here. This is Big Bets, and I understand that right now, maybe we've caused some consternation. Maybe I've caused some consternation in the Twitter world because I've made a factual statement. Kids can't handle the truth. And the truth is that Friday Night Lights is... Undoubtedly the best football movie ever made, and there's no reason to watch the TV show. Kelly, I understand some people
3: have taken issue with this. You got you got Insta tweeted back, man. I got two tweets here saying uh, I, this from Razor Rosenthal. TV show was vastly better than the movie. What have to go against my guy D. Ross Sports here, and then I got an email. Oh no, from Jackson Stone. Jackson Stone with an Indiana University logo for his email, so maybe this might be Wes Reynolds burner account. Says, <laughs> so agree with you. Friday Night Lights TV show definitely better than the movie. I just, I don't know how that can be possible. I don't, I don't know.
7: But listen, Colonel Jessup, you better address these people.
3: <laughs> all I'll say is, I mean, first of all,
6: getting Billy Bob Thornton to, to play Coach Gary Gaines was a stroke of genius. And when he turns to the kids and say, "Being perfect, it's not about that score out there. Not about that." I mean, Cotton Chandler
3: has a career because of the TV show. But I mean, if you don't get a little bit
6: choked up then you're you're not understanding what the movie's all about. As I've always said to Tim Doyle, like Karate Kid, it's not about karate. It's about life. That's what Friday
7: Friday Night Lights taught you. We'll get back to the NFL in a second. But as great as Billy Bob Thornton was, I'm sure, in that movie, and Sling Blade and a couple others, there's nothing better than Bad Santa. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to disagree with you on that one. Uh, By the way, I
6: mentioned uh, I wanted to – I teased yesterday when we talked to Ben Falks about this, our VP of Digital Content – that we had mentioned yesterday, there was a $50 wager that was made before the beginning of the baseball season. How about this? Now that wagerer put 50 bucks on the Strohs to beat the Phillies in the World Series at 2,500 to one odds. That was back in April, 2,500. Okay, so now do the math. He's sitting on $125,000. If the favored Astros, who by the way, I believe almost close to $2 in some shops to win the World Series, okay? So we talked to Ben yesterday. Ben caught up with said better. Mm-hmm. And you ready for what the, uh, the the better said? I'll quote. Go ahead. I'm not hedging. It's got a Wolf of Wall Street feel to it. Like, I'm not leaving. Well, I'm not hedging. No hedge for this guy. He's going to let it roll on the Strohs to get the full 125K. You and I, I advised yesterday, This is this just seems like malpractice. <laughs> because you're almost getting two to one. You can... Give up 15 k if your are guaranteed winnings, and get almost depending on how much you want to wager twenty five, thirty, and make sure that's in the bank.
7: Yeah, I personally don't see why you wouldn't hedge here. I, I get you can have all the confidence in the world. By the way, this is not two thousand Miami Hurricanes to, uh, versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers at the Rose Bowl. Oh, that's still the greatest bet in the history of football, in my opinion. But seven mm-hmm. and a half in that game. Uh, but the point is that when you look at this situation, the, who's the best pitcher in this series right now? Well, I think you could certainly make a case for Wheeler. It is, in my opinion. Wheeler has been the best in the postseason. Verlander's gotten rocked a few times. Framber Valdez has been very effective. But unlike the Yankees, who can't put the ball in play, this 50Ks for the Yankees. This Phillies team has been able to do it throughout the postseason. They come back in game number f- uh, five. They're down 4 nothing. Was, was that game five or game th- uh, four? I don't even remember. But, oh, game four. Game, right, four, game right. four, Game four. They come back. I mean, this team has been continuously – Two games in a row, they take out St. Louis. They go to, uh, they take on in the next round against the Braves. They win three out of four. They win four out of five against the Padres. At some point in time, you got to look at the situation and say, look, I get it. You don't want to give, nobody ever wants to give away $25, $30,000 just like that. But when you look at the possibility on the other side, what if it's a Verlander goes out there and his first inning goes full Dave Dravecki and all of a sudden we got to replace him? Well, see, that's the interesting part, right? He, because this better, had the good foresight
6: yeah. of picking the Stros to win yeah. in his April bet, right? Mm-hmm. He's sitting on a gold mine here yeah, with, with the underdog as the hedge. I can understand if it was different. If he had to lay it and he had the other side, he had the Phillies to win the World Series, right? I'm totally, totally would understand why this hedger would go full Leonardo DiCaprio and I'm not I'm not hedging. But it's it's set up where he could just wager ten thousand, and at almost two to one he can guarantee himself, lock in almost 20, 20K with only giving up potentially 10. And if he's wrong and the Strohs don't win and he doesn't, hedge,
7: how does this guy not kick himself? I, I would agree with you, and you brought up a good point, which to me is when you look at this series, I, I think the play itself, based on the price, you'd have to take Philadelphia. And we see the price prices come down a little bit here. Astros minus 185 plus 160 on, Phil, on the Phillies. This team is dangerous right now. The best individual player, and I've never been a big proponent of Bryce Harper, but that contract now is looking like a genius move if they win this thing. They win four more games. Every single criticism I had of the contract is absolutely a moot point, right? Like, even if you only win once in 13 years, it's still good enough. That's the goal. you got to win one time. And they're they're four games away from doing it. Nola's capable and pitching well enough. You shut down Jordan Alvarez. Okay, Pena was the LCS MVP, but uh, Bregman, he had that three-run homer. Uh, You look at Altuve, he's been missing in action. I know the Astros' bullpen's been great this year, but to me, Philadelphia, they're the hot hand right now. I mean, you know, Derek Jeter used to say this all the time, and he was so right. He goes, the best team doesn't win the World Series. He goes, it's the hottest team. And right now, Philadelphia, even though the Astros have won seven in a row, I thought they wound up with the right matchup against the Yankees. You look at those three games against uh, Seattle, Mm -hmm. game one, they were fortunate. They came back from behind and won that game. They scored five runs. They bring in Robbie Ray, the only guy oh boy. that you want to see if you're if you're Houston, Robbie Ray. He couldn't get anybody out against the Astros this year for Seattle. Game three, 18 innings could have gone either way. Seattle pitched just as well. So it, I get where he might be coming from, but to me, man, the, you've got too much power in this lineup for Philadelphia in two hitter-friendly ballparks. I, I know Houston Minute Maid is not as hitter-friendly as the perception of it is, but – Trust me, when you look at Schwarber, you look at Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, I mean JT Real Muto, this team can be dangerous. The thing that surprises me when you look
6: at the MVP market here is you mentioned it. I mean, clearly Bryce Harper right now is playing at a at an MVP level, that's so why he's a two-time MVP. So he's plus six fifty. You mentioned Wheeler. He's 17 to 1. Now I know this is a bygone era yeah. of Major League Baseball and Managers just don't do this anymore, but I'm old enough to remember, say, Bruce Hurst in 86. Yeah. He pitched games one and game four for the Sox, and he, with the rain delay, they had backed up game seven against the Metropolitans, and he went game seven. Had they held on to a lead that Bruce Hurst gave them three, he would have been the MVP. Is there any shot that Wheeler could get three starts? Is there any way you could stretch him out like that, like the old days, or do you think it's just gone and you're only going to get
7: two starts so it's really hard for a starting pitcher to win MVP? It is, but you got to get two quality starts, and you basically are looking at a scenario you got to go 15, uh, 15 to 16 innings and probably give up one or two runs or less. Right. Because I look at Verlander at plus 950
6: and I look at Wheeler at 17 to 1. You know which one I would play right now. You're almost doubling up here to uh, take Wheeler. There's no no disrespect to Verlander, Hall of Famer, but I look at Wheeler as my true ace and the guy that's probably got the most steam coming in here,
7: that feels like there's some value there if you wanted to go the pitching route. Well, I'll tell you the best bet out there right now is Zach Wheeler to lead the postseason in strikeouts. Mm. I mean, when you look at it right now, Wheeler, in terms of what he's done, he's got 25 Ks, Nola's got 18, Verlander's got 14. To me, the best bet is on Zach Wheeler here.
6: It feels like it. So, again, we're not trying to tell said better what to do. Look, he's had the foresight, he or she had the foresight to get that ticket at 2,500 to one before this, but it just feels like what we're trying to, if you're picking up what we're putting down, this could be a much closer series than maybe what the odds makers have
7: right now. Well, listen, forget what the odds makers have, because I don't think, even though it's Houston 7-0, you look at Philadelphia right now, what are they at, two fives uh, and four, so it's a nine and two, a nine and three? Mm-hmm. I think they've got, no, nine and two. They've only lost two games. And they, remember,
6: if you go back to game one against St. Louis, they were what, down 2 nothing, and they come back in the ninth inning and get that rally. That kind of set the tone for them Absolutely. throughout this postseason. They come back against the Padres, come back against the Braves. So this is a team
7: that if they fall behind early, they've been there, done that in this postseason. But unlike basketball or hockey, just in a four-out-of-seven game series, you could just slump over the weekend, and you're right. struggling. Next thing you know, you're down two games to none. You're going back to Philly. Who knows what happens? Remember when Houston played Washington? Nobody won a home game. Exactly right, all seven games. Uh, by the way, game one here very quickly. Is there any,
6: do you like the Phillies here catching uh, good plus money here, dollar $1.45? Yeah, game I, would, one?
7: I would look at Philly on the plus price here because the way Wheeler has pitched. Furlan has had his struggles in the postseason. Uh, how well does he perform remains to be seen. But when you get a plus price on a guy like Wheeler, look, I, I know Josh Towers here, and you know I don't know if he'd agree or not, but let me tell you, when you look at best stuff in baseball, mm-hmm. consistency, it's Jacob DeGrom. But when everybody is on their A-plus game, Zach Wheeler is as good as anybody in baseball, including Jacob DeGrom.
6: You know, the uh, Mets could have re-signed him. I, I, yeah, absolutely. They didn't do it. Well, why? W-
7: winning is not important. Just let him
6: go down 95 a little bit. Let's go from New York down to Philadelphia.
7: Made a lot of sense. The Walt Whitman Bridge, I guess he thinks is better.
6: <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk NFL coach of the year and offensive Roy's potentially out there in the numbers associated with. Come on back, it is Big Bets here on a Tuesday on VSIN, the Sports Betting
4: Network.
0: VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN. The Sports Betting
6: Network. Welcome back. This segment of East and Big Bets is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is just a little bit different. Everyone is on their own journey, but whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there for you. Check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z Y N.com. Warning this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back alongside Amal Shaw, Dave Ross here. We roll on with the Tuesday edition of Big Bets. I did not realize how much consternation would be bought by the uh, Friday Night Lights, the simple statement that it is, in fact, the best football movie ever made, and there's no reason to watch the TV show. But but apparently, to some, that's a a stinging uh, uh, condemnation of a TV show. You you stirred some stuff up. up. You stirred
3: it up, up, Dave, just like you always do. I do like to. I thought the
7: program was good, right? Like they show how he cheats the drug test, kind of showing the true life of what Florida State was. Wow. Shots fired at Bidlin. No, but I will tell you one thing. Speaking of Florida State, they have the greatest run in the history of college football. 14 consecutive years of top four finishes. Greatest Bama's been. They haven't had a 14 consecutive. 1987 to 2000. There's no
3: backhand to that compliment? Hey, man, it's only only cheating if you get cut. By the way, Michael Irvin had
7: had one of the greatest lines of all time. Michael Irvin said, Coach, how come you didn't come and get me to play up at Tallahassee? He goes, Michael, we just couldn't get enough money together for you. (laughs) I love the honesty.
6: You know, we were talking about this yesterday, and I didn't know if this was going to be a Maul Shaw version of You Can't Handle the Truth. But I do want to kind of open up the forum here because it was a good, healthy debate about Coach of the Year. Because, again, people, remember this. These are narrative-driven awards. So you can have all of your rationale and your reasoning and why you're right, and then when that ticket doesn't cash, you're going to go, how in the hell did that happen? Because these are people that are voting
7: these awards. Amal, the floor is yours. Right now, who should be the coach of the year? It should be Brian Dayball of the uh, New York Giants. I I mean, to me, it's pretty clear. I get that the Eagles are off to a great start, but according to Miles Sanders and everybody else in Philadelphia, they've got the greatest roster. It's an all-star team. Except I don't even know any of the all-stars on that team, aside from Jason Kelsey. I mean, the reality of it is, when you look at what Dayball's been able to do, and here's the real point of emphasis in coaching that you see. Look at the Giants' second half adjustments and what they've been able to do in games. Yeah, that's a great. That's point. where this team has really been able to make the difference. Here's the thing though, I think Philadelphia's got longer staying power, so Seriano would probably win it based on that. But if Dayball and Company somehow make the wild card based on what they did last year, the Giants were four and thirteen last year. The Eagles were nine and eight. They're a playoff team. I mean to me, if you take a team that's already over five hundred, you go from nine wins to thirteen wins. But if you take a team at four wins and you wind up with ten wins, eleven wins, that's far more impressive than taking the nine win team.
6: I tend to agree with you today, where we sit after seven weeks of the NFL season. I would actually give it to Brian Dable to six and one, or at five and one versus the six and zero Nick Sirianni. Even though Sirianni right now plus an hour twenty five, Dable these are the two short favorites at plus two fifty. I think you can when you try to project the award though, right? Like to me, the reason why Vrabel was the the reason why I would have wagered on him last year and it proved it bared fruit there in the market is because they got the number one seed at the end of the day. I think it does get simplistic to people that go, well, who's the best team? And so that's why some people I'm seeing think Sean McDermott at 20-1 to is still in play. Now, I don't know. He's not winning it. I don't know if I'd put my money there, but I can understand the rationale. Let's say we don't know what the Eagles and Giants are going to end up. Right. But let's say they come back to the pack a little bit and let's say the Buffalo Bills go on and they don't lose the rest of the way. It might be hard then to say, how could I take a 10 and 6 Brian Dable or 10 and 7, 11? Uh, I don't think the Eagles going to lose six games, but you understand my point. If they come back to the pack a little bit, could some of these other people and the guy keeping receipts in New York, the other New York guy, Robert Sala,
7: Nobody saw this coming. He's 10 to 1. He's the third betting favorite. You said keeping receipts, and the other New York guy definitely thought it was Costanza with that wallet. But the reality of it is, to me, (laughs) the reason why McDermott can't win it, this is an 11-win team from last year. They're going to win 13 to 14 games. He's got the second-best offensive
3: player in football, and he's got the guy who's going to be the league MVP.
7: So it it
3: counts against him. It's it's, it's one of those you always got to look at, and, and I always think about this like the NBA Most Improved Player Award. Uh, Amal, like you nailed it. It, It's, you look over past winners of this award. It's, You had to improve from what you did the year before, and you have to make the playoffs. So, Vrabel last year with the Titans, Stefanski with the Browns the year before, 12 and 5, Vrabel, 11 and 5, Stefanski, Harbaugh with the Ravens 2019, 14 and 2 that year, Nagy with the Bears in 2018, 12 and 4. So, it's, I mean, you got to have a big time record. The Question is, Amal and I got into this a little bit off the air yesterday, right? And it's, it's, you got to handicap voters. And I understand with what you're saying. With the Eagles and where they were at last year, that's a better record than what the Giants had. And we agree, Brian Dable... Hey, probably is the best coach in the NFL right now, by opinion. I think the second-half adjustments this guy's made are incredible. But he's, I think the, he, th- that team will drop some games going down the stretch here. Meanwhile, the Eagles might, fit, may, may, might end up with one or two losses, and I don't know that these voters are going to be able to stay away from giving a guy this award in, in, in that kind of market with this kind of team with all the storylines and narratives that we've heard about them all year long so far. I agree.
6: I will say this. I'd like uh, Pete Carroll to enter the chat as well. I mean, he deserves to be up there. Absolutely. Like who saw this coming from what, like you name me, his defense, by the way, I think is terrible. And they, <laughs> I, I think they're, it's awful, right? Somehow smoke and mirrors, they're getting it done. And he has made Geno Smith in 2022. They had the foresight to trade away. Russell Wilson, get mass picks and put Geno's. Everybody thought this was a laughingstock organization. Maybe the worst team in football. And they're in first place in the NFC West. So I get it with Dable, certainly get it with Sirianni as well. But we can't ignore some of the outstanding coaching jobs. Because, look, I look at the Giants, and I got in with some people on social media about this, like, oh, how can you say that the Giants have more to work with than Pete Carroll? I go, are you crazy? You got a, you got three top ten picks right there in Thibodeau on defense and Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley. These are all top ten picks. Who do, this, who do the Seahawks have? You name me a top 10 pick that is starring
7: for the Seattle Seahawks right now. They they're don't not, have them. They're not, but the, the, the guys that you referenced, and Thibodeau hasn't done much.
6: But he's starting to show now that he's coming off his injury. But, and but he also, looks like an
7: elite player. And Daniel Jones, to me, is actually not a pro argument for a top oh, 10 pick. I'm saying
6: pick. these are top 10 picks. Seattle doesn't have that. They've got a lot of guys that are also rands that other teams gave up on. To me, that's coaching. If you can figure out a way to maximize guys that nobody – that the evaluations on these players were, they're just not high picks. I, I look at Pete Carroll, I like go, I can't – now, look, like I don't know if it's going to last. Yeah. But if they somehow won the NFC West, that I, would be and, stunning.
3: And, but, Dave, and that's the biggest question, I think, for me. for Whether we're talking Dayball or or, or, our, uh, not, or Pete Carroll, it's, will is this going to last? That's the key. Because
7: yep. I don't think anybody really believes that Dayball and the Giants are going to last. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. i look at the schedules. The, the The Eagles look like they're a 15-2 type of team based on the schedule. That's why you'd bet Sirianni at right. 125. Um, you know, but all three guys, Robert Salah, 10-1, to 1, I don't think it's going gonna, gonna to come to fruition. Uh, take McDermott off the list for me just because of how good Buffalo is. And Mike is. McDaniel, a lot of question marks about some of his decision-making yeah. as of late, too, right? 20-1? to 1. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. But, uh, you know, I get your point on Pete Carroll. I just think that Seattle, though, is in a weaker division. The Rams are not as good. 49ers still have Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, You know, so for me, I'm I'm not ready to sign off on this Niners team. But look, I think it should be Brian Dayball based on where we're at right now. At Mm -hmm. the end of the year, I still think it's going to be Nick Sirianni that wins.
6: I I tend to agree with both those points. I would give it to to Dayball today. I'm just some other coaches out there certainly deserve, I think maybe the market hasn't reflected yet at 20 to 1, the jobs they've done to date. Yeah. But you're right, Kelly. I think a lot of this is perception of where these teams will end up, and that's why there's still longer shots.
3: Yeah, I think sitting right now looking at these odds, Mal, I, th- I think it's hard for me to recommend almost a- any bet outside of those top two, and the odds are just too short seven weeks through the season to bet one of those right now, but I think, Dave, I think if you are going to go longer shots, I mean, it's Sala or it's Pete Carroll to me are the only ones you could even make on this sport. I... I-, I- Those ones, I think you could at least make an argument for making. I I don't know that you could really come up with a good argument to only take. I mean, twenty to one on Mike McDaniel. Like I, you can't bet that right now. No, I couldn't bet that. And I'm with you. He could
7: be two hundred to one.
3: Yeah, you could. You. I I can't believe I'm going to say this.
6: You could take a flyer on Mike McCarthy at thirty-five to one.
7: And the only. I got to ask you this, and I don't mean to be rude. Are you drunk? (laughs) (laughs) The only reason why. You could actually consider that is if they catch fly, Eagles
6: fly. Remember, after week one, the season was over. And the Giants. Right. And the I forget about the Giants. <laughs> after week one, we're going to fire Mike McCarthy. Dak is out for the first six weeks. The season's over. And what would he do? He went to, to Boy Genius 3.0, Kellen Moore, and said, you know what, kid? I'm going to help you out with play calling because I don't know that you know exactly what you're doing and they became a run-first, rely-on-your-defense team. Nobody wants to give Mike McCarthy credit. I totally get it. I totally understand it. But if you look at the job that he's done, and if you could project to what might happen, if they win the NFC East and they overtake
7: God's greatest team now, America's team in Philadelphia, then you might be able to have a live play at 35-1. to By the way, God doesn't watch America's team anymore. That's why they closed the roof. He got (laughs) sick of seeing that beating they were taking every year. It's blasphemy. When we come
6: back... I wanna get your thoughts on some Champions League action today and what numbers you might like associated with. Come on back in it's Big Bets on the Sports Betting Network.
0: v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network.
6: Basketball season tipped off last week, and so did all the basketball promotions on BetRivers' online sportsbook. BetRivers is the place to go for the latest odds, lines, and unique promotions. Like our weekly same-game parlays, place three or more same-game parlays each week to receive a free $10 basketball free bet. During October and November, go to BetRivers.com. download the bet rivers app today. It is a whole new ball game back alongside a mall shot. Dave Ross, you're going to have Tim Doyle on talking more NBA and get his thoughts here. As we are now into week two of the NBA season and hour number two, Frank Schwab is going to join us at the top of the hour to talk NFL. We do want to give out our pro tip here for hour number one. It's very intriguing. It comes to us in the conversation we were having about the, the better that Ben Fox brought to our attention yesterday on the show. Again, this better had, uh, uh, 250 or 2,500 to one, 2,500 to one to get the exact in the world series. And this better in April had the Astros beating the Phillies. And that better is now said, he's not going to hedge. He's going to roll the dice and he's going to go with the Strohs. And he doesn't want to hedge any of that money, which is right now, he, it would be a guaranteed profit if he decided to hedge, but it is a hot topic in sports. And again, at the end of the day, Amal, all, it is your money. You can do what you think is best for yourself and you can ignore people like us if you choose to do. We're just trying to give you the alternative options right. to let you know there are options out there. Look, sometimes I hedge, sometimes I don't. There's no one-size-fits-all.
7: Is that I, correct? No, you're absolutely right. I would agree with you there. Um, but here, here's my thing, and this is why I'm a big proponent of hedging. I, I understand the counter argument: oh, you smoke up a lot of profit. But – If you look at it, and if you've been doing this long enough, you understand there's a million different games where it looks like it's a slam dunk, you got to win, and next thing you know, it turns. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be in that situation. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had done this or that. You take away a lot of the sting out of it. So, for example, let's say um, NBA last night. You could have taken the – early on, you could have taken Memphis in the game against uh, Brooklyn, could have taken them at minus one before the game started, or you could have taken them on the money line minus 120. And then Brooklyn was down eight and a half or nine in the first quarter. Uh, And it was in in play, I think high water mark might have been seven and a half or something. Then Brooklyn comes back, takes a lead, and now all of a sudden you can get a a plus price on the Memphis Grizzlies. You can middle that. You can put yourself in a situation where you mitigate your risk. That's all you're trying to do. I, I get the argument against it, but to me, imagine if you don't bet Philadelphia right now. And you're sitting there, and it's it's two-two in the series. And now you've got a three-game series, and you've got 125,000 riding on a three-game situation. Oof. I mean, you know, maybe if that's what your normal betting amounts are, you're betting fifty, hundred thousand dollars. You're not sweating it as much. But if you're not, just based on the amount that was wagered here, my gut feeling tells me that this person's probably not firing five and six-time bets. No, remember, it's a
6: 50-hour wager at the beginning of the year and now set to make $125,000. Yeah. And again, while we're trying to advise you as to some options, again, this better who has said now that they're not going to hedge, they're going to roll the dice, go with the Strohs. I mean, there are certainly scenarios, as you're alluding to here, Maul, where in-game maybe this better would think about, okay, if things go south in game one, He's going to lose some of the uh, profit share that he would have right now at grabbing the Phillies. But if Zach Wheeler wins Game One, it's going to start to you're, you're going to start giving up things if you do decide to hedge. So it could get dicey. But again, it is your money. At the end of the day, you have to do what you feel is best, you and your situation. Nobody knows what your bankroll is. Nobody knows the amounts, amounts you're alluding to of what this better is uh, placing on normal games. But you should also look at those alternatives and hedging. While it is a hot topic, it can be profitable as well. That is a pro tip for hour number one. Again, these are uh, easy things that you can do as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Go to VEASAN.com, sort them out by show or by sport. You have access to up to 20 pro tips a day. We hope you utilize them as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Let's get to uh, some action getting ready to go over there, over the big pond. Champions League action on a Tuesday. I know a lot of people that watch and listen to the show, they want to get your thoughts on what you see in the day coming up in the Champions League, and maybe where you can
7: find some value.
6: What do you like on the board today?
7: Well, we're going to go with an obvious team that you rarely get at a price like this, which is Manchester City taking on Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund is really struggling in the Bundesliga today. This match goes in about 10 minutes. You can get Man City at minus one minus, uh, excuse me, on the three-way line at minus 160. Uh, There might be also a minus one on Man City available uh, at a price of around um, about 110 or so minus a goal, but... You know, guys, you rarely see a club of this caliber uh, getting this type of price. You know, we're so used to seeing minus 7, 800, 1,000, whatever, 11, mm-hmm. you know. You know how you see in the PSG, uh, Macaba Haifa match today, you see PSG minus two and a half goals, uh, minus $11. That's what you're so used to with Man City until you get to the knockout stages or a round of 16, what have you. So I think a good opportunity here with uh, Man City. Uh, another match that I would take a look at, I'm not going to play this one. It's going to be a good one, RB Leipzig and uh, Real Madrid. This should be a, a tight, tough matchup here. Don't I don't have an edge one way or the other in this one, but it should be an interesting match to say the least. And this is one where I think if you don't get a goal early in, say, the first 30 minutes, and if you have an in-game opportunity on over one and a half, I would definitely look at that. I think both teams will get on the score sheet here.
6: A couple things that I like about what you said there. One is, even though you're interested in that Real Madrid game, you don't think there's any value in it right now with the numbers associated. And I think it's a great thing for people that maybe are new to this space and watching like you're going to if you think there's value as you mentioned earlier yeah. in the first match we'll, we'll tell you it but if there's not value in it that does not mean you have to wager those games might be an intriguing game to watch intriguing yeah. intriguing match to watch but it's not necessarily value associated with it so you don't have to fire on those
7: the other thing you mentioned the three-way line for those new to the soccer gambling yeah. space explain exactly what that is yeah great question dave and i apologize i don't expand upon that uh, so in terms of a three-way line you have for for example we had Borussia Dortmund Manchester City and then the draw so if the game ends up in a draw, you wind up with a loss on the bet if you bet Man City or if Dortmund wins the game. So you're kind of going up against two other scenarios or possibilities that are there. Now you have an opportunity where you can bet the goal line. Now if, if you have Man City minus one, if they win two to one, you get a push. If they win three to one, you win your money back. But if they end up with a draw, you lose the bet. So sometimes you wind up with a pickem. The price would be much closer to uh, you know even in there instead of taking the three way line. Mm-hmm you'd get a team at plus 175, the other team at plus 190, and then all of a sudden you'd get on the pick and price, and it might be minus 115. So if the game does end in a draw, you get your money back.
6: Excellent uh, way to, to break that down, what the three, uh, three, three-way line is.
3: Kelly, you've got some interesting news here on Man City. Well, just checking, updating these lines for, uh, for you. Ma. Minus 145, it's even come down a bit since we made this graphic over at DraftKings. Hmm. Uh, on the three-way line, or if you wanted to lay that one goal, plus 110 over at DraftKings. Plus 110, you get on. Man City laying a goal gives you that push protection. All right, so that is
6: uh, Amal's uh, look ahead here to the Champions League and the, that action again. Getting ready to start here in about five minutes. Going to go back to the NFL now. We were talking about the uh, Coach of the Year and, and that market again. I, I hope you all of you, you watched and, and heard the segment. We're, what we're trying to do is find pathways right for some of these prices. So some of them they're fun conversations, but also we're trying to give you some actual insight as to to on these voted on awards these. Yeah almost narrative-driven awards of how you can actually cash them. So when you look at Rookie of the Year, and by the way, I do feel really bad, seriously, for holders of the the Brees Hall tickets because I think he was starting to emerge maybe as the favorite to do that. Well, he's out for the year. So, again, injuries, man, you just can't predict them. There's some very interesting names here. But, if again, I talk about Seattle, right? Kenneth Walker. Look at the job he's done. Speaking of injury, filling in now, and all of a sudden, he is the main back in Seattle, and he looks like he is just off to the races. There's Damian Pierce there, of the Texans also pretty darn good here in his rookie year, but again, not necessarily a winning team. We talked about Chris Olave a lot. It is hard for wide receivers because it is dependent on that quarterback and Bailey Zappi, 12 to 1 right there. Out of those top four, and I'm really surprised now that Kenneth Walker III is not a favorite. At, at two to one, uh, is there any price
7: points that you think are actually playable? Um, you know, I, I think both guys right now at two and three to one are not bad because I think a lot of it's going to be tough because he doesn't have the quarterback consistency. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bailey Zappi is going to be there, Excuses me, over the long haul of the season. Brad Robinson's really gotten off to a nice start and he's a good story. Uh, but when you look at the numbers statistically, Walker didn't get many opportunities early on. Now that he's become the workhorse, you see the numbers he's putting up. He's about 100 yards behind uh, Pierce right now, but I think based on the impact that he's having on his team, I think is greater than what Pierce is having. So I think that's something you have to consider. I generally don't play a lot of these types of bets. Um, You know, so I I think when you look at it, receivers are always tough because that's kind of tied at the hip to the quarterback. Agreed. You know, you look at Drake London, who's a tremendous talent, but Drake London is you know, Marcus Mariota, I think, threw for like a buck twenty-five or so this weekend. So They're not checking it a whole lot. Yeah. They? Well, I mean, it's not consistent. And if you can find some consistency with the team, you got a shot. Pacheco's an interesting piece for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He's now emerged as a starter in place of CEH. But – They've got too many weapons there in Kansas City. How yeah. many great opportunities do you get? You know, they kill running backs in KC for touchdowns because it's always that little shuffle pass mm-hmm. to Travis Kelsey. So you don't get those stats that a normal running back would get in KC.
3: Yeah, that, that was the one other name I was going to bring up on here, mo just because we did see him make that start in Kansas City. We've seen him being more involved in the game plan. Uh, eight attempts, 43 yards on the ground last uh, game against San Francisco, five point four yards uh, average. Not a bad, not a bad average there. But I really do think this is. I mean, this is down between Damien Pierce and Kenneth Walker, and, and, and with them both being running backs, it might just be who ends up being healthy at the end. That's it. It's always a war, a game of attrition, certainly in the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, Frank
6: Schwab's going to join us at hour number two at the top to talk all things National Football League. See you next here on Big Bet Sunday.